Welcome to episode 173 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. On November 23rd, I achieved one of my big audacious goals for 2019. I presented my first TEDx talk. To be honest, I wouldn't have set this goal for myself without a lot of encouragement from my business coach, Dory Clark. And since Dory was just named to the coveted Thinkers 50 list as one of the best global communications coaches and talent experts in the world, I'm glad I listened to her. I applied to 11 events before being accepted one in my hometown at TEDx Beacon Street. I thoughtfully crafted my message, trying to boil the hours and hours of content I presented over the last 10 and a half years into my most pure form of an idea. Open body language is the key to successfully broadening your network. I got to this thanks to Tamsin Webster's incredible talent with words and meaning. I sought advice and support from people in my network like Tamsin and Dory because I have long believed that relationships are the answer to any business or personal challenge. Along the way, I realized that advice about TEDx is best asked to people who've experienced doing a TEDx talk themselves or producing a TEDx event. Very well-meaning friends who know a lot about public speaking were not always giving me the best advice for a TEDx talk. A TEDx talk is not really about the audience in the room, which could be filled with high school students. This is something that happened to a friend of mine who realized the TEDx that she had been selected for was being run by a junior in high school for a school project. Mm, Yikes. I knew my talk was really for an internet audience once the video is released and specifically for prospective clients in the world of associations. I should have been setting better parameters about what kind of feedback I was seeking. Until the last few days before my talk, I was asking for very generalized feedback and then finding myself feeling defensive when someone questioned my content, which I had so carefully crafted purposely leaving certain things out for the sake of brevity. I also realized I needed to hear praise before hearing critique. Am I the only one with a fragile ego? Probably not. It always went better when the person offering their insight started by telling me what I had done well and then shared what I could do to make it even better. A few days before my talk, I got very clear on what feedback I was seeking and how I would best receive that feedback, and it worked. My talk improved, and I felt very supported by my community. Your challenge for this week. Seek out your community to help you with a challenge you're facing. Be thoughtful about who you ask so you're sure they have the expertise you are seeking. Avoid asking for general feedback and get clear about what specifically you want them to focus on. Ask for accolades and praise before deep diving into critique and hopefully avoid feeling defensive about what you're hearing. Grow, learn, and feel supported by your community. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is known as a communication connoisseur because he's obsessed with all aspects of communication. 
whether it was CB radios and a computer bulletin board systems when he was a kid, majoring in radio and television broadcasting in college, or majoring in business marketing in university, it's always been about communication for him. Add in that he's an improv performer who graduated from studying improv comedy with the Second City in Toronto. His top strengths finder personality assessment theme is, you guessed it, communication. It makes sense then that his mission is teaching fast-growing companies how to improve communication to build strong cultures. He does this as a keynote speaker, author, and consultant. He's the founder of Future Forth, a marketing communications firm and also networking for nice people, an online community and resource to improve professional networking efforts. He captured best practices in his book, New Business Networking, How to Effectively Grow Your Business Network Using Online and Offline Methods. Please join me in welcoming Dave Delaney. Okay, so first of all, I've got to say Robbie is a pro at this because he just did that in one take. (laughs) thanks for having me (laughs) yeah Dave no problem so great to be here thanks for joining me from your office in Nashville Tennessee um yep you know even when I make a mistake I just keep going because that's that's what it's about right that's improv baby this is a, a show about building strong networks and and the context is leadership uh because as you would agree no one achieves success in a vacuum so let's start with this like how do you define leadership and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Uh, so I still don't know if I can lead, but I hope it, I hope it's going to work out. No, um, for me, leadership really is about listening first um, and leading with empathy and being accepting to ideas and to to your team members and so forth. So, so for me, I think I think leadership really comes from from listening first and foremost, both both from you know uh, listening to industry trends and things like that for your business, but also listening to the people that work with you and your your colleagues, your prospects and clients and so forth. So that's leadership and listening. I think is like chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, and it's also delicious. Interesting uh, because you know you you have this background in improv, and improv mm. is also about listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're not listening, it's not going to, it's not going to go well for you. It's going to be a bad scene. So, yes. so when did you start to realize you had those skills or that someone else started to think you might have them? Like where did this originate? Well, when I moved to Nashville from Toronto, uh, roughly about you know 12 or 13 years ago now, um, I co-founded two unconference conferences, two um, unconferences, Barcamp and Podcamp Nashville. And then um, also founded two monthly networking events, Geek Breakfast and Nash Cocktail. And all of those events were were built not for business for me. I had a job. I wasn't trying to, to build a business. Um, I was just doing my job. And then I did these other things because, well, the first bar camp came as a result of getting my first job. But, um, but it was all about just supporting the community. I'm a people person. I'm a people pleaser. Um, I'm being careful of popping peas on the microphone. Um, But, you know, so for me, it's all about uh, people and connecting with people and community. And so um, what was interesting is a lot of people um, would say that I would, would identify me as a leader of technology or marketing in, in the national community. Um, And, uh, you know, I, uh, it's one of those things like being an expert, right? Where I could never call myself an expert. I, I, if you say I'm an expert, great, I will take it. And people introduce me that way. It's not in my bio specifically, because again, that's what I write. So I, 
you know, it's the same thing. So if somebody calls me an expert or calls me a leader, I think that's awesome. And that's a good sign that I am. Um, but I'm not going to go out of my way to call myself an expert or a leader in that way. I'd, I'd rather others call me that first. I, I absolutely. I, I think what you're getting at is the idea of being recognized. Sure. So, you know, in my bio, it actually says that I'm, I've been recognized as, an, as a networking expert by X, Y, and Z. Yes. And that's how you can get around that. <laughs> but, but, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm not going to call myself that. But you're saying like a mensch, you can never call yourself a mensch. You have to be called one. So anyone Absolutely. listening who doesn't know what that is, Google. So, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really interesting to think about. And, but I want to dig deeper back in, and I want to, I'll come back to this piece of what you did when you got to Nashville. But sure. let, let's roll this back because the fact that you came to Nashville, a completely new community for you and chose to invest in that way, your time, energy, and that community building, mm. there must have been something that happened before that for that to even have dawned on you because a zillion people have moved to Nashville and not done that and not made a big right. a splash and not been recognized for their leadership. What were you like in grade school, in high school? Were you a kid who organized things? Were you always watching the room? Were you the class clown? Like, what were you like? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, as a uh, in, so high school, I probably went to more high schools than you can count. Uh, <laughs> so it wasn't so much that I was uh, a, a bad kid; I was more of a, a class clown slash. Uh, uh, a friend of mine's mom called me Dave Delinquent. So uh, so so um, I fit I fit that rather well. So not in a in a bad evil type of way, but more in a just disruptive kind of you know shaking my fist at authority kind of way. And uh, so so that's that's how I was. But I was always uh, always bringing humor into what I do, uh, whether it was goofing off at school or whether you know whatever it was doing. You know I'd always be there too. And and I'm also you know an extremely uh, loyal person, loyal friend loyal husband as well. And so, you know, for me, I, uh, you know, I had a group of really close friends, but in high school too, I was very social. I was friends with the, the punk kids, the jocks, like every, you know, every kind of genre of person, the geeks, whatever I kind of fit. And, and, and I've always been that way with people like very, um, just open-minded and accepting of, of people. I, I like meeting new people from different backgrounds and things like that. And maybe that's partly coming from Toronto too, being just such a culturally diverse city as well. So, Yeah, I, I share that experience of being in high school and being friends with all the different circles. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always loved it. And I used to throw birthday parties. This is a, it's who I am still to today. I like blending all the groups together. Um, like I'm, I'm heading to New York in a couple of weeks and I'm hosting a dinner and a, and a brunch. And the people I've invited are from like all these different places that I know them. Like they don't, they're not all from one community. They're not from all one group online or anything. They, you know, they ha- they'll have something in common besides me, you know, like yeah. some, some values or some, some interests or something they do in the world. But I've always loved the idea of mashing people together and seeing what happens um, because I could see the value in it. And I think a lot of people haven't had the experience that you and I are talking about of, of kind of walk, walking between different worlds. And so they think that everyone else is super different and that they're super unique and th- there's nothing that they'd ever share in common. And like you clearly have lived <laughs> enough to see that's not, that's not the case. Um, you know, people are people. But, you know, this <laughs> Dave delinquent is going to stick. I'm going to call you that from now on, by the way, <laughs> Dave. Um, you may have thought you left that 
behind you. Oh, <laughs> you just brought that back. up here. It's what have back. I done? <laughs> but this is really interesting because you always wonder, like, where do these people go and like, who do they grow up to be? Because seeing you today and what I know of you today, it's mm-hmm. not a label I would have stuck on you. Um, you know, you're an upstanding citizen and you're doing good things in the world and you're being recognized as a leader. So what what's that journey like? Like, when did you start to take yourself seriously enough to apply yourself at, at doing something in particular that you truly want to do, not just the lessons, the direction that everyone else was trying to point you in, but like you chose a path. It, it, was there a moment or was there a series of like ahas or was there somebody who was like kind of kicking you in the pants to make you ha- make it happen? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. The, the kick in the pants would be my wife uh, who, you know, who I met. So she's from Tennessee, uh, which is what, you know, how we ended up living here in Nashville. Um, but we met backpacking in Ireland in 98 and we lived abroad. We lived in Ireland and Scotland and, and traveled quite a lot, uh, over the years, uh, over in Europe. And so when we moved back to Toronto, um, it took a little bit for me to kind of find my way, uh, to find my way and take myself and my career seriously enough to like, you know, go out and start doing work. And so, she was the one who um, pushed me to go to university after college and study business and marketing. Um, she was the one who kind of uh, kicked me in the pants and and got me got me straight a little bit. So so that that was a big influence, or she was a big influence that way. But then also I would I would add that um, the birth of my first and and second child um, they're eleven and a half months apart, Irish twins, uh, as the term goes. Which we should have seen coming, uh, having met in Ireland. Uh, but having kids as well, I mean, that's a game changer too. So, you know, once, you know, you can, you can be as careless and silly or whatever, but I mean, I think once you have other people who are dependent upon you, um, it's time to start taking things a lot more seriously. Yeah. And how did you know that business and marketing was your direction at that point? Was, was there already some clear signs? Yeah, for me, it's always been, it, it's always come down to, to, to communication for me and, and marketing was just the logical fit. Um, it's funny, you know, my dad was a headhunter um, back, you know, way back in the day, kind of madmen headhunter style in Toronto, uh, kind of a big name in that space. And um, he did a, one of the, he did a personality assessment on me, uh, you know, when I was like 19, probably. And, um, I found it not that long ago and, and went through it again. And I was shocked to see just how accurate it still was for the most part. Um, and it said, you know, you should be a marketing person or a public speaker or, you know, these, these, uh, things. So it was kind of shocking to see. So I knew early on, I've always been very interested in media, um, in, communication and, and messaging and, and branding and things like that, that all sort of roll into marketing. So it was logical for me to, to take that step. And did you start out working for big companies or like how did, how did that career trajectory take off? Yeah. So um, my first marketing role was with a theater performing arts company in, in Nashville or in Toronto rather. Um, and they represented sort of smaller uh, theater companies in Toronto. And I worked with them for about a year or two, give or take, I can't remember how long, and then was hired as marketing manager for the Toronto production of Hairspray, the John Waters musical. So that was my show in Toronto for the, its run. 
and I, you know, dabbled with some of the other shows, the producers and, and, uh, Lion King and Mamma Mia and stuff. Um, and so I started in, in sort of the performing arts, marketing, communications, publicity sort of space. Um, and from that, uh, f- from working with Mervish Productions in Toronto um, on Hairspray, um, after that, that show closed, um, I'd established a really great relationship with the uh, Toronto Star, Toronto's like, largest newspaper. And um, we had a great relationship with their promotions director because we would you know, give them tickets to shows, which they would give away or do sweepstakes with um, in exchange for, you know, so that way, in exchange for using remnant space to promote the show. So it was kind of a win-win uh, sort of scenario. And so they brought me on as a promotions executive for the Toronto Star after working there, after working in, in theater. And then um, after working with the Toronto Star, um, I went on to work for a television network um, in, in Toronto. So okay, before wow. moving that's, south. Yeah. That's like, just to unravel that a bit, you're, yeah. you're a kid without any direction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> who clearly loves theater. Like you already mm-hmm. have that passion you found a way to match the passion you had for theater with a skill set that you had been developing around marketing. Mm. Did it for a local group where, you know, you probably weren't competing with a ton of people to get that job and probably didn't pay a ton and it's probably a lot of work and you had to learn a lot. You got then invited to do a much bigger deal, uh, developed some key media relations while doing that bigger deal show for that run and then got invited onto the staff of that bigger deal media company. And then that, well, now you're in media. So you bridged like the public, like arts and entertainment kind of world into the media world. Right. With one little step there. And then suddenly you're working in TV. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's all relationships. Like that's so clear that you get that piece because... A lot of people don't know how to step from one silo to another when they're when they're in different industries or how to bring along their knowledge base with them and their and their network with them. Well, I think also the story of the television uh, network would be interesting for your listeners too because that came from a relationship that I had established um, with another television network, and what had happened was I wanted to work in TV and broadcasting that way. Um, I actually studied, you know, radio and television broadcasting. I majored in radio, actually. Um, and what had happened was from networking, go figure, um, I basically talked my way. I said, so I, I started doing this thing when I was much younger in this, in this time, where in order to network with people, I did the same with the performing arts company um, that landed Mervish or Hairspray, where I would reach out and say, hey, I'm a student, if I was a student at the time, or, or just in, interested in the industry, but I would say, hey, um, you know, honestly, I'm a student studying you know, XYZ. Um, would it be possible for me to come and talk about the industry, like interview you just in a, a casual interview, come and talk to you about the industry? Um, and I would always say, I'll take like 15 minutes of your time and I'll bring you a coffee. And I would always bring the coffee with the stir sticks and the, you know, the creamer and the sugars and all that stuff. And I would go and they would say, sure. And I would go 15 minutes always ended up being an hour because they would talk and tell me all this, all this great stuff. But then when I left the coffee would sit on their desk, you know, the cup, they drank it. And then the cup would sit there all day, probably until they threw it away at the end of the day. So it would sit there on their desk all day, reminding them of, of me and the conversation we had. Um, 
I don't know for sure if I was that strategic back then. I just, I love coffee and I naturally wanted to bring them a coffee. Um, so I started doing that. And what happened was I met my future boss at a different television network where he was working and he offered me an unpaid internship. Um, but my son had been born, I believe around that time. And yeah, I just, there was no way I could do an unpaid internship. And unfortunately they didn't have anything else. And that was before I ended up working for the newspaper. So full circle, he reconnects or I reconnected with him and then they hired me um, at the other television network that he ended up working for. Yeah. So, and now you had some media credentials yes. under your belt as well. Right. And uh, that the coffee trick's a really good one. Um, you know, the, the virtual version of this is, uh, you know, my wife was recently um, trying to switch careers, uh, sort of shift industry slightly. And mm-hmm. as she was contacting people in this new industry to ask them about their company, she was doing it all virtually. So yeah. They're all doing like Zoom calls, right? So you don't need to like meet people in their office anymore. People are sure, all across yeah. the country. Right. And um, afterwards, I, I suggested that she send people a gift card. So that she was sending people a Starbucks gift card with a note electronically yeah. saying, you know, we didn't get a chance to actually have coffee together. So you might how about the next cups on me? I love and so that. whenever they go and they have that next cup of coffee, <laughs> she gets, you know, so she got a lot of like great advice and, and sort of referrals within industries yeah. quickly. Um, and she was so nervous about doing it at first, but like the first three people were so helpful that then she was willing to knock on any door. Um, so I think that's the other thing is like you, informational interviews are still super valuable. Yeah. Um, you no longer have to necessarily meet them in their office even, but um, if you do bring a cup of coffee, that's a great right. tip, Dave. Yeah. Well, thanks. And I also like do where, where I'll, 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 I like to send, um, thank you cards as well. So I'll actually write up a thank you card and send it in the mail. And what I do sometimes, um, or actually what I've been doing lately is, so I'm reading Ron Tite's book right now, Think, Do, Say, which is fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it. I'm loving it. But as I, as I'm reading someone's book, um, I'll make a note because the authors often will mention nonfiction, of course, but they'll mention like products they like or things they they like or enjoy. Um, so, for example, I read um, I read another book recently by by someone who mentioned that his favorite ice cream is uh, Ben and Jerry's, like one of the Ben and Jerry flavors. And um, and he he then mentions the grocery chain which is not far from his house in a different paragraph in a different chapter. So I made a note of that. And, l- and luckily I live in the same state. So I went and bought a, a gift card from that grocer and included that in a thank you card. And, and cause he, he spent some time talking to me as well, which is really nice. So I sent him this thank you card and I said, don't forget, I said, this grocery you know, card is only valid for this flavor, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Uh, and he was like, what? Like, so I like surprising and it was like 10 bucks, right? Yeah. So, but just as such a nice way, you know, and I like, I like surprising people that way too. So that's great. Cause you're paying attention. And, and similarly, um, yeah, we could talk about this for a while. Like I, I was trying to get my VA gift and I was looking up where she lived yeah. and, um, what was near her and I know she's got kids. So I figured out what ice cream place was nearest her Nice. and nice. like got the chain, you know, figured out the chain and how can I buy something through that? Yeah, you know, like Starbucks is not the only thing we can give people. <laughs> it could be way more creative than that, you know, seeing yeah. what people like. Um, I love this because I think you're touching on how do you sort of nurture and develop those those relationships without immediately expecting things in return. You're like, I mm-hmm. found it valuable what I read. I want to appreciate you for it. 
Um, but I, I want to be thinking about like you, you had to make this move or you made this move, but not you had to, but you made this move to, to Nashville um, yeah. for you, a new country and definitely a new, a new space. And now I want to go back to what you were saying earlier. So we've sort of almost previewed this. Yes. You arrive in this new city and you're like, huh, I need to establish myself. And you go about setting up all these different types of events that are in person um, were you using meetup.com or was this done through something else? Like how are you finding people to come to all your events? Yeah. So um, it's a good question. So the, the first um, unconference that I co-founded um, came from networking my way into a job. Um, and then yes, I mean, technically, yes, we used, we used meetup.com, which we work acquired a couple years ago, and God only knows what's going to happen with that. Um, uh, but we also used upcoming.org, which Yahoo acquired, and also, you know, these pesky acquisitions ruin everything sometimes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was a combination. Technically, it was a com- combination of upcoming.org and then meetup.com um, to, to organize those. So. Yeah, I, I love unconferences. And if folks listening don't know what they are, you, you essentially plan everything about the event except for the content. And mm-hmm. then the content is figured out the morning of each morning of the event through a very democratic and transparent process that you think isn't going to work. And then you witness it working and you're like forever changed. <laughs> Like that's right. amazing. <laughs> um, I yeah. run them. I I I've run okay, a few, yeah. Dave, where uh, I've I've called a meeting two weeks or three weeks from now to gather volunteers, and then ten weeks from that date was the event, and we had to plan everything with people we had never met before. That's ama- um, that's amazing that you were able to to do that. I, with with the first bar camp, my my co-founder Marcus Whitney here in Nashville, he he had been here a number of years, and so I was definitely going with what his ideas were because I mean he obviously knew the community way better than I did. Like I literally hadn't even moved here physically yet, <laughs> but I was here. I was here physically, but not. I hadn't. I, I lived uh, yeah. at my in laws for a couple of months while we were getting settled. Um, which was about an hour or two away. Um, and so he had this idea of doing a bar camp Nashville kind of breaking the rules a little bit and actually having it still unstructured, part of it unstructured, but then the other part actually bring in some speakers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was sort of breaking the rules. It was sort of a no, no, but he also knew that like without enough fanfare and, and, um, around the, the speakers, then we wouldn't have driven probably as many people. I mean, yeah. we had hundreds of people there. So, um, and, and actually Mitch Joel, I brought Mitch from Montreal to come speak. Uh, Penelope Trunks, uh, spoke and, and, uh, yeah, it was a really cool, great event. So, and it went over super well. It was and these, these other smaller events, these, these monthly gatherings, um, mm-hmm what led to that happening? Cause I think it's one thing to work as a team on a big event. Sure. You know, particularly when it's related to your job and then maybe there's other things you're like, Oh, I have these skills. I can do this again. Um, to work towards like these annual or biannual events, but a monthly event in person requires a different level of commitment and yeah. it takes a lot to nurture and build that community. What was the need that you were filling like for yourself or for your community? Like what need was there? And why, why were you the person to, to make that happen? Right. Um, yeah, it's a good question. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't so much, I mean, it was certainly as a social level, it was for me because I wanted to meet people. Um, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that connection. 
Um, but it wasn't for me like professionally because I had a, at that point I had a job. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I could have, if I was doing it for my career, I could have just, you know, stopped doing the events um, at that point. Um, what happened was we, we did the first bar camp and to, to great success, it went over amazingly. Um, and it was actually sort of the, the first technology Nashville sort of geeky event that actually brought all these different bloggers and uh, podcasters and developers and, you know, all these folks, designer, web designers, all these people together for the first time under one roof. It was the first time they'd all met in some case, or a lot of them had met even in person. Um, so I hear, you know, this is back in August 07. Um, and then we decided to do a pod camp. Um, uh, I'm a recovering podcaster right now and, uh, you know, started podcasting in 2005. And so I've, I've been in the blogging and podcasting space forever and social as well which is more the podcast sort of uh, uh, route that way. Anyway, uh, when we decided to do both events, I wanted a way to bring, to keep the community together um, instead of waiting six months or 12 months for the next event. I wanted to try to find a way to keep people together. So I started this thing willy nilly called Geek Breakfast, um, where I just invited everybody to come for breakfast. And it was sort of everybody's on their own dime. Uh, there's like three rules of geek breakfast. One, you know, uh, show up if you RCP show up Two, uh, you know, tip your server. Well, and, uh, there was another one. Oh, you, oh, no sponsors allowed. Um, so I wanted it to be organic and completely free, um, beyond you paying for your breakfast, of course. And on the lowest end, I'd get 10 people on the highest end one month. We had 80 people, um, and what happened with Geek Breakfast, wow. it, yeah, it was crazy. What happened with Geek Breakfast is, um, now this is, you know, years ago, but somebody somebody came and said, hey, you know, I'm from Chicago. I'd like to do a Geek Breakfast there. And I said, awesome, do it. And he's like, well, how do you do it? And I'm like, you invite your geeky friends to breakfast. And he's, and he's like, yeah, but do you have like a wiki back then and, uh, or a website? And I said, well, no, do you need that? And he's like, yeah, that would really be helpful. So I created a wiki for geek breakfast. And then some developers who attended who are friends said, listen, let, let us just build you a website. So they built geekbreakfast.org, um, which isn't really used as much anymore. But, um, and so the purpose of it was that people could sign up and just create their own geek breakfast in different cities. And suddenly these geek breakfasts started popping up across the U S and in Canada South Africa. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I should have, uh, you know, I should have like sold geek breakfast hats or t-shirts and, you know, um, but of course I wasn't in it for that reason. It was just bringing people together. And so it was cool to see this start spreading. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that was sort of the idea with geek breakfast. I love it. And, I, and it's clear that, that a lot of people were seeing the need and, and I actually, I ran a meetup group for 11 years called socializing for justice. Nice. And um, we brought together like-minded, uh, left-leaning, progressive social justice folks, mm-hmm. not issue-based, um, not, not like identified. And so just a wide swath of people in the room that couldn't all agree on anything. Yeah. Um, like I tried once getting us all excited about voting and for various reasons, people weren't into it. Um, there's these still apathetic liberals and then there's on the other extreme the hardcore, like, you know, break the system people. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> were right. Like, you know, so it was just very interesting. Yeah. But, um, and I had people all that time asked to, to start somewhere else. And I, I really, I never decided to, 
like do that because for me, I didn't want to let go of the control of what we created. And I was right. trying to be super hyper local, but I always shared the concept. I was like, sure. you can't have the name, but you can like take the ideas and apply them. And it sounds like you even made it even easier for people. Um, and I never monetized my thing either, <laughs> but it was yeah, so valuable it's... without it being money, right? Like, like it establishes you. It's, I, I find it remarkable that in some ways what you're describing is so easy. Like you, you were like, Hey, who wants to go have breakfast? And like you book a place and you just kept showing up yeah. and yet so few people would do that. Like it, it feels like a, a superhero move because it's like, Oh my gosh, like that. I can't believe Dave's doing that. Like, it's amazing. And you're like, right. yeah, I, 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 I sit in a booth and I wait and see if anyone shows up. And you come like, and hang out. Yeah, right, right. But there is a lot more to it. Like, you're clearly we're thinking about how to, like, make people feel welcome so the new people feel like they, they fit in. Like, yeah. the longtime members feel like they were valued. Right? So there's a lot of culture building. Um, how long has this been running? Is this still a thing? So, yeah, so I gave up Geek Breakfast Nashville to another organizer because I used to do, I don't live downtown in Nashville and the breakfast, we would always do it downtown for the convenience for everybody. Um, And I worked downtown, so it kind of worked. Um, And then, you know, my kids started going to school and I started carpooling. I was the driver. And so it just didn't work for me to be there that early. Um, So I handed it off to someone else. And then, you know, over time, it kind of dwindled and I think it's kind of dead. Or, or yeah, dormant, maybe we'll call it dormant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did actually do a geek breakfast reunion a, a few months ago just to That's bring awesome. everybody together. Um, I broke one of my own rules where I charged for, for tickets for it. Um, but I gave a hundred percent of the proceeds to a local shelter here. So I was not, it was really just to make sure, well, a, we could help someone in the community, but, but also make sure bums appear in seats because people can RSVP for free things all the time. All the time. Yeah. And that's actually, I think that's changed a lot in 15 years. I feel like 15 years ago, a meetup RSVP. Yes. Was a more likely a yes. Mm -hmm. And now it's like 50% yes. And uh, Facebook yes is like a, 20% 20% yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. It's I mean, true. it's like dropping precipitously. Yeah, so I, I, at what point did you decide that you were going to leave the sort of structured business world and be an entrepreneur? Like you have those instincts. Like it's yeah. so clear that, that that's kind of been the through line of your work. But when did you, and I feel like your wife's going to be a part of this story. I just know it. <laughs> But like you were like, okay, I can actually speak about this. And, you know, maybe did you go back and discover that assessment from your dad at 19 and be like, oh, a professional speaker. Hello. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been eight years since I've been out, uh, since I've been out on my own um, and, and do my own thing. And, and it's been great. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the last company I worked with was, was a great company. It was an amazing place. And, and I was running, you know, when I moved to Nashville, I sort of shifted and I just to back up just for a second, like I've always been a geek, like running, you know, BBS is on my Commodore 64, as you mentioned in the buy and in the intro. Um, so I've always been very interested in, in all, all sort of facets of communication and connecting with people and meeting people, whether it's online, offline and so on. 
And so I would always bring technology into these roles for the theater company. I created like web forums for actors and for our, and our customers. And I tweaked our email newsletter and, and updated that. And I created like a, you know, flash banner ads and, and, and things like that for the show. So I always brought like sort of a technology angle to all the work that I did for, you know, for the television network, I helped kind of put together the new website and video streaming and all that. So when I moved to Nashville, um, I ended up from networking here, ended up meeting um, a a, a technology company, uh, Emma, which is an email marketing company, and ended up working with them as their new media manager, um, which was before the word social media was something. Um, And then from there went with Griffin Technology, which was a great tech uh, consumer electronics company and worked representing them for four and a half years. Uh, in all sort of facets around social media and email marketing and sweepstakes and all this stuff. And um, why did I bring this up? Uh, working for Emma or working for Griffin? Yeah. So as it, uh, to, there were some management changes and things were getting a little a little rough there towards the end. Um, and you know, I love my colleagues there, of course, but decided it was just not going to work out. Things were not not doing well there for a bit. And uh, so decided, you know, to go out on my own. And as I was about to do that, um, or actually even leaving Emma before that, this is a funny story too. I, you know, because I'd kind of made a name for myself in the community here, when I left Emma, uh, as I was about to start doing my own thing, the folks at Griffin took me out for lunch, the senior people there and said, listen, we want you to come work with us. And they didn't have a position yet. So I had to write my own job description and apply to my own job, um, which if I had failed would have been really sad. Uh, and, and so it just, it's amazing, like kind of the trajectory and, and how this stuff has, has worked out. But anyway, long story short, eight years ago, went out on my, on my own, um, had done public speaking, uh, with the conferences and unconferences I was in, involved with, but, um, started taking that more and more seriously over the years. And, and so it's something that obviously is near and dear to my heart now. Yeah, I know. And I, I love that um, part of what you did in these early jobs is that you didn't stay tightly within the confines of your job description. You had these other skill sets and these other interests mm-hmm. and you saw that it could be helpful for you to share that skill, you know, around technology. And so you sort of, poked your way into other aspects of a company, which mm-hmm. is a great way to become known to a larger swath of people in that company and to people who are much higher up the food chain than you are, um, you know, who may not have taken notice of you if you were just like doing your little tiny job, but right. suddenly you're like helping with their website or with their marketing piece or something. And like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Dave. Like, sure, sure. Like it, it's, it's a really smart idea for anyone who's in a company to find a way to stand out. I mean, Dory Clark wrote an entire book about yeah, how Dory's to stand right. out <laughs> and you know, find your breakthrough and build a following around it and disclaimer, I was in the book, which is awesome. But yeah. she has brilliant examples in there of people who are doing that kind of thing. And it could be like running the softball team <laughs> within well, the company, you know? Yeah, I mean, even with, with I kind of brought things together because I would host like, uh, I would host meetups or tweet ups back in the day. And I would do that either on my own, just go to Toronto and do a tweet up or go to wherever. Um, but I started doing it under the the banner of the brand. So like, you know, Griffin would send me to South by Southwest in Austin 
And so back in the day when this was even possible, um, I would actually rent out um, the bar patio right across the street and I'd put up a huge banner on the flip side of that of the railing that's a Griffin with this massive Griffin logo right across from the convention center. And I would do tweet ups right on the patio beers on me. Come on, hang out. I'd bring some swag and give out, you know, iPhone cases and chargers and things like that. And I made just such great relationships doing that and re- representing Griffin. So, and, you know, when, when I, one of the best compliment or one of the best results of this was somebody who tweeted me one day and said, Hey, with a photo, I can't, yeah, photo it was on TwitPic. Uh, and uh, I remember he had he was at an Apple store and he was holding a, a Griffin product and a competitor product in his hands. And he tweeted like, you know, it's all Dave's fault that I have to buy the Griffin product, you know, because the competitor didn't have any face to their brand. Um, they were just the brand. So, yeah, well, yeah, and so it's building cool relationships, you know, building relationships and yeah. that you were building relationships for the company. But also those are your relationships, too, because the person for was sure. messaging you, not just like at Griffin. They were right. messaging Dave and letting you know that they were doing that. So like thinking about how to do that, because I, I have a feeling that when you were quote unquote out on your own, you were so clearly not on your own, right? In that, in that moment, you were surrounded by people who were like, awesome, I'm so glad you're finally doing this. Like, yeah. how can I help? Let's do this, let's do that. And like, you know, those first few months and years were probably, you know, really the results of everything you had done when you didn't know what you were going to do next. Um, Right. You didn't know this was coming per se. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was amazing actually. Like when I, yeah, when I announced that I was doing my own thing, I mean, the comment thread was huge on the blog post and, and I got so many emails and tweets and messages and calls from friends who were like, yay. Cause so many of them are like seasoned entrepreneurs who never even had a real job and things like that. And so all these folks that I know who, you know, I kind of play in that space a lot. So I have a lot of friends in, in, in that world. And, and so they were all like, yay, like you finally did it, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So, which was, which was really just such nice, uh, wonderful support. So so. It's like a welcome mat gets rolled right. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I interviewed, um, uh, uh, Jordan Harbinger, um, yeah. of the Har- Jordan Harbinger show and previously Art of Charm. And he was talking about how, you know, he's always been a relationship building kind of guy, always offering, always like, how can I help you kind of thing. And, you know, he likened it to an insurance policy. Like you never buy insurance hoping to use it. Quite the opposite. Um, But he found himself when Art of Charm like blew up and it wasn't going to be his, you know, thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And he had to start from scratch. Like he discovered what happens when you've been investing in your community all along, they're there for you to like jumpstart things again. And actually in a much, I mean, he came out of the gate in an even bigger way than he'd ever been. I think similarly is like you were not planting all those connections with a, Oh, one day I'm going to need to like take something from all of you people. (laughs) Right. It's quite the opposite. It's like, I want to just keep building community and a lot of this was that you were hosting and convening spaces that allowed them to build connections with each other that you you weren't having to always make the introductions happen single like you know hey Dave meet Robbie it was more like hey you two are here have fun and like we would find each other and make that connection i think like that's yeah. amplifying it yeah and yeah you know i would echo that too like um you know that's part of like the manifesto on on networkingfornicepeople.com the the site i have um where 
on the manifesto. I mean, one of the, one of the rules of networking and something that I talk about all the time when I do like presentations and keynotes about this is, you know, networking is a two way street, right? So, and it's all about helping others before asking for anything in return. And, and in many cases, not asking for anything in return, right? Yeah. You're just doing it to be cool. It's, it's, you know, and, and I always talk about like sort of the analogy of like somebody who like goes on or a company who goes on Twitter and starts selling like sell, 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 sell. People unfollow or mute or whatever. Um, it just doesn't work. But if you yeah. build rapport with people and you build an actual, you know, no like and trust. Um, but if you do that and then, you know, at some point you can say, hey, really could use some help selling these steak knives if anybody wants to buy some. Uh, you know, you're way more likely for people to say, "Ah, oh, hell yeah, I'll buy some." Dave's Dave's cool. It's it's a, yeah, it's he's all, being, I like that. He's guy. being helpful. Yeah, you know, Dory has a policy that she's written about and talked about um, where she doesn't ask for a favor for the first year after meeting someone. Mm. Like that's her general rule, and it, it's yeah. a it's a good way to think about it because you don't have you have not deposited enough goodwill into that relationship, probably. And you know, you know, this is not someone you see all the time, so it takes yeah. It takes a while to like see each other enough times to deposit that kind of goodwill, and you can't extract from an account that doesn't have enough in it, you know. So right. that's the mistake yeah. people make. It's like, oh, we've met, awesome. I can now ask you for that thing. It's like, well, yeah, not really. I like that thinking. I mean, I like. I I would add that it's not just waiting a year, but rather maybe even um, you know providing like a monthly something or like yeah. let's say 12 things for representing a month it could be two a month or whatever of saying like hey Robbie just want to share this article with you because as soon as I read about it read it I was like oh this is totally for you after what we were talking about and sending you a link or just letting you know or, or introducing you to somebody in my network you know doing things yeah. like that and and instead yeah you know and I've dabbled with like quantifying things and uh, you know i do use crms and things like that but at the same time i have a hard time actually i'm not really a numbers guy to begin with so i have a hard time sort of keeping track of of that ratio but i think it's pretty clear that like you know you know in your heart that like if i'm if i'm like robbie and i you know just met not that long ago and then suddenly i'm asking you for favors like i know that's not cool Mm -hmm. um you know so i'm better off you know providing providing you with some good stuff you know, and again, I mean, it's a two-way street, but it's not. It's not about networking for the purposes of getting something in return. So right? you mentioned it's the CRM. Cool. <laughs> it's about being cool. That is like the bottom line here, people. Right. So you mentioned a minute ago uh, CRMs. You have uh, systems, habits, philosophies, practices that help you nurture and sustain not just that inner circle, but the second and sort of third layer out of your network, the people that you don't see all the time, you might see them once a year at a conference, or you used to work with them five years ago, like, how do you keep them sort of aware of you and you aware of them? Yeah, so, um, so I do like I have this, uh, I have a course at betterconferencenetworking.com. And what I do with that course is, I teach people how to network before, during and after a conference or an event, something like that. Um, but what I try to do, like the three key points in networking that I always bring up, the first is showing up. The second is, uh, is uh, wait, wait, hang on, uh, show up, uh, follow up is the second thing. So make sure you follow up with the people that you meet, which often gets neglected. And then the third thing is catching up. So making sure that you do check in every six months or 12 months or, or you know, whenever that conference is coming back around. Um, 
I do use CRMs and tools to kind of remind me to follow up with people. Um, you know, one thing that I'm a, a so I've, I used contactually for years, um, and I liked that a lot. And I really loved their founder, uh, Zvi Band, um, also a great guy. Just wrote a good book about networking too, so you, you should get him on the show. Um, uh, happy to make that intro. He's actually been on the show. <laughs> oh, there he, you yeah, go. Yeah, okay. he's a good guy. Yeah, he's great. He was on my my previous podcast as well. So yes, yeah, he's super sweet, smart, great guy. And uh, I've been using lately. I've been using a CRM called um, not effectively, apparently uh, called uh, 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 Karma. Oh gosh, what is it? Karma. No. no um, Karma. Oh my gosh, I'm totally. You'll have to come back to it then. That's I'll come cool. back to it. But yeah. the one tool that I use that I absolutely love is uh, uh, there's a company called Baden that, or I think they changed it to Boomerang. The product is called Boomerang and yep. it works with Gmail. I think also maybe some other email services. And it basically, you can add it to your Gmail and then remind you to follow up with someone every, you know, whenever. Um, there's a lot of other cool bells and whistles to that, but I, I love that one a lot. So, so if we needed a conference, let's say, um, and, and then we, I follow up and we follow up and then, you know, there's, it's good. I mean, I don't have to keep emailing you every week, you know, it might get annoying. Um, but I, I can set a reminder of like six months from now to check in and see, Hey, are you going back to that conference next year? You know, maybe we should, I'd love to see you. Maybe we can have lunch while we're there, or grab a beer or coffee or whatever. Um, so that's, so that, that's kind of the way, the way I approach it. The other thing I do too is, um, like in Gmail, you can do, I mean, Gmail's from Google search so you can actually search dates between dates and you can search um sent messages during certain dates with keywords so i could look up like south by southwest um during the you know a month after the conference last year and see all the messages i sent and that can remind me of how to follow up also looking through you know text messages looking through direct messages on uh, and private messages on Facebook direct messages on Twitter in mail on LinkedIn going back through the sent messages and all the different messages you've received to remind you like oh hey you know I've got to follow up with these people so that also helps too yeah that's great and um lately I've been trying to use people's birthdays as a trigger to go and look at what our private messages have been and to mm. then respond to the last private message whether it was text Facebook private message or LinkedIn messaging and yeah. sort of continue the conversation by just wishing them like a sincere happy birthday message, not just like happy birthday, but like something a little more than that sure. on whatever the place was that we were last had a conversation. And I'm partly making that extra distinction because if you do it on a platform that they're not very active on, they may not even see it or not respond for a while. Yeah. And so they have to kind of figure out where people already kind of are engaged with you. Um, this is, Fascinating. Dave, I feel like you and I could spend a lot more time doing this, but I have, I have a final question before we wrap up. It's one of my favorite questions. If we're reconnecting a year from now, and I know we're going to stay in touch, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And we are sitting around and we are celebrating all of your successes. I want to know what we're going to be toasting. What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? For me personally, I'm going through uh, some, some sort of branding uh, work right now some some thoughts on positioning for my for my own business and and kind of putting things together a little more eloquently uh and a little more clearly so uh, so uh, you know next year i expect to be speaking a, a lot more than i than i am currently and i am speaking a fair amount but that's a big 
big part of what I do and what I love. Um, I love, I love being on stage. I love empowering and teaching audiences and sharing a laugh with them, sharing them, sharing stories with them, but then giving them, you know, actionable advice that they can use. So by this time next year, we'll be toasting that my speaking career is like blowing up in the best possible way. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to supporting you along that journey and celebrating you. you as you hit those different milestones. So Dave, how can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, you could go to davedelaneyspeaks.com. That will redirect to my speaking page. And that's actually my website as well. So that has all the links to you know where I am. I'm also Dave Delaney, E-Y, Dave Delaney on you know Twitter and LinkedIn, Facebook. If you Google Dave Delaney, I'm the first one that comes up. That's awesome. We'll have all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really, really fun conversation. Thank you, Robbie. It's been fun, man. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 173. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as over 170 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. I am beyond excited about my TEDx and can't wait for the video to be released. Views and especially comments on that video are a big part of what gets the attention of TED.com and it would be beyond amazing to have my talk elevated to that platform. Would you join my TEDx launch team and help me spread this idea? Sign up at robbysamuels.com forward slash TEDx launch team and I'll be in touch once the video is released. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode with Dave, please share with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week where we'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming a successful leader. Until next time, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.